This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight we begin by featuring the talents of Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall in Bold Venture. This program aired from 1951 to 1952, not a long time, but it was a good show. Salty Sea Dog Slate Shannon, played by Bogart, owns a Cuban hotel, Shannon's Place it's called. It sheltered an assortment of treasure hunters, revolutionaries, and other shady characters. And with his sidekick and ward, the sultry sailor Duval, played by Lauren Bacall, she'd tag along as he encounters modern-day pirates and other tough situations while navigating the waters around Havana. Aboard his boat, the Bold Venture, Slate and Sailor experience adventure, intrigue, mystery, and romance in the sultry settings of tropical Havana and the mysterious islands of the Caribbean. Calypso singer King Moses, played by Jester Hairston, provided musical bridges by threading plot situations into the lyrics of his songs. Music for the series was by David Rose. Heard on 423 radio stations, the 30-minute series earned $5,000 a week for Bogart and Bacall. Pretty good money for 51. Of course, we can't mention these two stars of the silver screen without mentioning how they came to meet. She was a Jewish girl from the Bronx. He was reigned, uh, raised Episcopal on Manhattan's Upper West Side. And together they made some of the greatest film noir movies the world had ever seen. And their May-December romance will go down in history as one of Hollywood's most glamorous marriages. Lauren Bacall, 19, was a former model starring in her first leading film role when she met Humphrey Bogart, who was 45, on the set of To Have and Have Not back in 1944. Bogart was married to his third wife, actress Mayo Method, at the time, and despite their 25-year age gap, sparks flew between the two stars and their relationship progressed quickly. The movie debuted January 20th of 1945, and Bogart was divorced soon after. He and Bacall tied the knot May 21st, 1945, at a ceremony on Pulitzer Prize-winning author Louis Bloomfield's farm in Lucas, Ohio. Now, they'd gone to have two children, and uh, they stayed married until Bogart's death in 1957. Bogart wasn't the least bit interested in Bogie the first time that she saw him on screen in Casablanca. As she recalled telling Vanity Fair in 2011 that my friend who saw the movie found him sexy. I thought she was crazy. <laughs> when they met in person a few years later, her first impression of him was of a cordial, polite, and friendly man. He told jokes to make her feel more comfortable in front of the camera, and soon their working relationship became a flirtatious affair. In her memoir, By Myself, Lauren Bacall recounted how three weeks into filming, Bogart stopped by her trailer to say goodnight. 
She was brushing her hair, and he was standing behind her. Suddenly, he leaned over, put his hand under my chin, and kissed me. It was impulsive. He was a bit shy. No lunging wolf tactics. He took a worn package of matches out of his pocket, asked me to put my phone number on the back. I did. I don't know why I did, except it was a kind of a part of our game. Bogey was meticulous about not being too personal and was known for never fooling around with women at work or anywhere else. He was not that kind of man. And also, he was married to a woman who was a notorious drinker and a fighter, a tough lady who'd hit you with an ashtray lamp or anything else. When director Howard Hawks got wind of the affair, he tried to put a stop to it by telling Bacall it was a fling and Bogart would dump her once filming ended. He even threatened to ruin her career, bluffing that he would send her to the lowest studios in Hollywood. But in the end, it made no difference what the director said. The two were destined to be together. Bogart became a father for the first time at age 46 when the couple welcomed their firstborn, a son they named Stevie, presumably after Bogart's character Steve in To Have and Have Not. And now, Bold Venture and the episode entitled Sailor Framed for Murder. Intrigue, mystery, romance, starring Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. Together in the sultry setting of tropical Havana and the mysterious islands of the Caribbean. Bold Venture. of Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall bring you Bold Venture and a tale of mystery and intrigue. You sound happy, Mr. Calvert. Oh, I am, I am. Russ Calvert's got a feeling about this evening. Yeah, that happens to people in Havana almost every night. <laughs> Doesn't it, though, Mr. Shannon? You know, when it came over me, right after I took my shower while I was getting into my white linen, I said to myself, Russ, out there, right out there through that window, it's waiting for you. That's what I said to Russ. You two must be very happy together. <laughs> Why not? I like you, Miss Duval. I like Mr. Shannon. I like your hotel. And ah, tonight I've got this feeling that Havana's going to like me. You hear that, sailor? We're liked. It makes me glow from the top of my head to my tippy-toe. Yeah, I can do that to people. Why, I can make pardon, people... but I look for a young lady by the name of Gail Duval. You need a pardon to do that? I was merely being polite. The young man here was talking, but the urgency of the occasion demanded... I'm Gail Duval, and you've just marked me urgent. So what can I do for you, Mr... Uh, Mr. Cloakey, Ralph Cloakey. And it's not what you can do for me, it's what I'm going to do for you. On behalf of my client, Mr. Cheever... Hey, sailor, it's all for Mr. Cheever. For who? Mr. Cheever, who owns the grandest hotel in Guantanamo. Uh, Mr. Cheever, who is expanding operations to Havana. Here, in my briefcase. Slate, that's money. It's staring at me. Real live money. Scads of it. This little packet, 5,000. And another, 10, 
and another 15. It keeps going till we reach 25,000. That's the price for your hotel and the boat. What? Certainly. Mr. Cheever told me the whole story. Not that I wish to embarrass the young lady. Oh, go ahead. Embarrass me. What did this rake Cheever say about me? He said you and Mr. Shannon were in a, um, a, a jam. You had to get out of Cuba lickety-split. Uh, that's why Mr. Cheever sent me here to Havana to look over the property. I have looked, Miss Duval. I agree it's a bargain. So help me. I don't know what this is all about. Look, Buster. Take your money and go back to Mr. Cheever and tell him no sale. You heard me. Uh, don't Out. you dare. No, no. Don't you dare touch me. I'm going to give you time to reconsider, even if you don't deserve it. I'll be at my rooming house, the Rina Verde, on Vincente Street. Turning us down after you came down to Guantanamo and arranged it all. Loki. I'm going. I, I'm going. People's values are all shot. That's what they are. You can't count on anything anymore. You just can't. Don't look at me like that, Slate. I tell you, he's crazy. <laughs> you enjoying yourself, Mr. Cowboy? <laughs> oh, this is what I love about Havana. So full of fun, so full of characters. Get into my office, sailor. We got things to talk about. Oh, good night, fellas. Plus, plus over here in the car. Where'd he go? In that cab just ahead. <laughs> For $25,000, we can keep him company. Can't For as long as he lives. Such a little man. His life's all used up. You know, it's in shivers through me. Mm-mm. Put your arms around me, Russ. His cab pulled over, Russ. Uh huh. We too. Hey, look where he's going, Jean. Huh. How about that? All that money, and he picks a flea bag. Come on, let's go. How do you feel? Hmm? Are you scared? Oh, you mean using the name Gail Duval in Guantanamo? That selling the hotel and the boat to that hotel guy, Chiva. Not much. I had the identification. You know, a girl can get a driver's license when she gives a big red smile to the man who issues them. <laughs> Two talents, yours and mine. Come on, let's visit the flea bag. Mm. Uh, uh, see? A uh, man live here named Mr. Cloakie? Oh, Senor Cloakie. I see. It's room number three, right down the corridor. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Oh, Senor, five dollars. Oh, you are too kind. For what purpose? Being a nice landlady. We'll show you some more of those dollars later. Oh, I will like that. For whatever purpose. I know how to cooperate. Hey, you will see. Mr. Cloakie. Hello, Mr. Cloakie. Uh, who are you? Inside. I said in. I asked you a pertinent question. Yeah, yeah, you did. And I said in. That's better. Close the door, Gene. Uh-huh. Oh, he seems like a nice little man, Russ. It's too bad about the nice little man. You, you people are maniacs. Put away that knife. Put it away. Don't come near me. Don't come near me. Little men die gently, don't they? Get his briefcase, Jean. Mm-hmm. Now let's go talk to the landlady. 
She likes money. She knows how to cooperate. Let's see if she can memorize a story. You're a man of the world, King. Explain some things to me. You mean Lady Sailor, Mr. Slate? Yeah. What's the matter with her? She knows she doesn't own any part of this hotel. Of course she knows. Well, then what's all this about? <laughs> Why you give yourself pain, Mr. Slate? You know Lady Sailor never do anything to hurt you. She never been in Guantanamo. Yeah, that's so. I mean, someone else was there, palmed herself off as Sailor, told them she... You there! You! Take this bouquet, exquisite flowers to room of Senorita Gail Duval and announce to her that her beloved is below. Huh? Ricardo Malpin. Desirable dealer in carnival supplies and dedicated to the proposition that when a senorita says she will marry me, I expect no dilly-dally. My card. Hey, where's it printed about the dilly-dally? Doesn't need. It's known about Ricardo Malpin. All over Guantanamo is known. Please, senor. Run to senorita Duval. Do not drop flowers. Tell her to put on bridal veil her beloved simmers. I noticed. You proposed to her in Guantanamo? She proposed to me. Proposal as follows. Ricardo, I love you. Ricardo, marry me. Ricardo, give me $1,000 to buy Chuso in Havana. Then I return to your arms for centuries. In two days, has been weak. Where's her room? I delight for myself. That way, Ricardo. But that way, senor, is too street to where I come from. That's right. You do not comprehend a future bridegroom, senor. You cannot deprive his bride of him, especially when he is waiting. Maybe not, but I'm going to try. <laughs> Pardon me, Ricardo. Put me down, senor. Put me down, I demand. You are very strong, senor. Back to Guantanamo, Ricardo. Here. Don't forget your flowers. But she will suffer so if she both not Hey, for a girl who's never been to Guantanamo, sailor sure gets around. King. Yes, Mr. Slate. If anyone asks for me, tell them I'm trying to find out who wants to buy my hotel. Uh, you wish accommodation, eh? I wish a Mr. Cloakey. Oh, Senor Cloakey has so many colors. A little ago, a young lady. Oh, muy linda, very beautiful. Eva, Manos, I will take you to him, to his room. What muy linda? Very beautiful lady? A lady who made argument with him. A lady he called oh, Sailor Duval. What? Uh, this is his room, Senor. Yeah. Cloakey. Senor. Ah. The senor has a knife in his heart. Okay. Oh, permit me, senor. It's not a knife. It, it looks the instrument to open the letters. Yeah. It's a letter opener. From my hotel with Shannon's place stamped on the handle. Madre de Dios. Oh, that girl, so pretty. She did not look so she killed him, that sailor Duval. But you must have been hearing things. Oh, I hear what I hear. And so I shall inform the police. A girl named Sailor Duval killed a man. Hey, you, Slate? Guess again, Miss Duval. Give you a hand, it's not Slate. 
You want something, Mr. Calvert? Uh-huh. I want to check out. There was no one at the desk, no one in Shannon's office, so I took the liberty. Oh, I'll get King to help you with your baggage. Oh, forget it. What's to help with? A tired cardboard box, a box of tortillas to eat on a journey, a briefcase? I'll manage. It's been so. Oh, that briefcase. What about it, Mr. Well? It's the one that Mr. Clokey had earlier this evening. The, the one with all the... You know what you just did, Mr. Well? Just spoil my going away party. Get back in your room. So you can confess to me how you got the briefcase? Uh, just because I asked you with a gun in my hand. Who saw a briefcase? I must have been out of my mind. Don't be a heroine, Mr. Val. I can scar your pretty face. Just do what a departing guest asks. You won't like it. My room's a mess. It's... Get it. Your stockings, Mr. Val. All you got. Huh? You want to mend them for me? You know, you're lucky. I could just kill you, but I feel warm towards you. I'll just tie you up so you won't keep me from going away like I want to. And this handkerchief in your mouth to keep you from screaming like for help, like for police. Sailor! Sailor, are you in there? Taylor, what's the matter with you? That wasn't a civil answer. I'm coming in. Hey, your door's locked. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Sailor. If anybody tells you you look good with a gag in your mouth, slug him. Kept you so long. I was spending a little time with your victim. What are you talking about? Make out there's still a gag in your mouth. I've got to untie you so we can get out of here. Okay. What happened to you? A guest named Russ Calvert said to himself, Russ, tie up Sailor Duval. So he did, after I peeked at Mr. Clokey's briefcase. You're in a lot of trouble. Someone on the other side of Cuba and Guantanamo has been using your name and came around here and committed murder and left bits of you all around. Come on, out the window. That is her! That is the one! Stop her! Have to help to stop before I should drop his gun! She is the one I saw leave with a smile after she stopped the senor. What's she talking about, Slate? She's saying you murdered Mr. Clokey. For which you will stick your hands in these cuffs. Uh, I'll do it, sailor. Slate. Do it. Gracias. If you please, senorita. She was just kidding. But you... You hit a policeman too unconscious. He's against the law. Come on, sailor. Let's go out the front. Guantanamo's closer that way. Humphrey Bogart and Lauren McCall, and the second act of our story. Hey, taxi! Hey! The only trouble with these Guantanamo taxi sailors is that you can't get one. No wonder. The place is up to its yard arm with the American Navy. 
Taxi. Slate. What? No, I must be crazy. That man standing across the street. No, he's gone now. I couldn't see his face, but... Now, wait a minute. Taxi. Inside, sailor. Let's show you to the man who wanted to marry Sailor DeVal. Maybe he can tell us a few secrets about her. The man who owns this carnival supply place said I was going to marry him? Maybe you should take him up on it, sailor. You could have yourself a gay time. Put on a funny nose, a false beard, wear a buzzer in your hand. You could be happy with a man Welcome, like welcome to the shop of the funnies. Welcome to... You? A renege and the welcome is withdrawn. Ah, oh, don't be like that, Ricardo. I brought you your bride. Ricky, doll baby. They couldn't keep us apart, could they? Mm. You got the shapefulness of bubbles. You got the coiffure of bubbles. The mouth and the eyes of bubbles. But you are not bubbles. Uh, will you please to marry me? You can put him down now, sailor. Oh, buy him for me, Daddy. <laughs> you do that, senor. I will not be costly. I give you a discount. First we bargain, huh, Ricardo? Eh, whatever you like, but I promise you, for this girl, you can have me for practically nothing. Then this girl isn't the sailor de Valor proposed to you. Eh, leave me to observe her up and down once more. Front. Back. Mm. No. And she's not the one you gave a thousand dollars to buy a trousseau in Havana? thousand dollars? Hmm, will you marry me, Ricardo? Answer my question first, Ricardo. Oh, senor, how can you talk like this? This girl chiseled me out of a thousand dollars? It is to ha-ha. This girl is an angel. Linda Hermosa. See, Slate, Ricky understands me. Hmm, sugar? But she looked like sailor here. Hey, if I close my eyes. You called her Bubbles. Uh, all Guantanamo called her Bubbles. Bubbles, sailor Duval. Because when she danced oriental dance on platform, she make oriental bubble bath in brain of even admirals. And you're sure it wasn't me? Where bubbles dance? What platform, Ricardo? At amusement park for the sailors. And that's where first her love hit me in the heart. That's where... Uh, bubbles. Well, let's go, sailor. Can't you see Ricardo wants to be alone? Midway's practically deserted, sailor. No wonder. Look down there on that platform. Yeah. That's the main event, the ladies. And the Navy. Slate. What? Look. Look, Slate. Across the midway, watching us in front of the Hall of Mirrors. Hey. Hey, that's Russ Calvert, the boy who gagged you. I told you we were being followed. Let's go. I saw it, sailor. He's going into the Hall of Mirrors. The joint is dark. Come on, sailor. There he is. Russ. Where'd he go? Follow me, sailor. Which one is you? I'm the one who needs a haircut. The guy with the infectious grin. Stuck on the floor. Slate, where are you? Slate. Here, stay where you are. Sailor. Slate. Here I am. Sailor! Sailor! Who? You're shot. I'm not shot. I bumped into a mirror. Help me up. I'm sorry. Oh, forget it. We're getting closer, sailor. 
Let's go join the ladies. You hear the man, it'll upset the artist if I don't come close. Hey, you, Barker. It reaches you, huh, friend? Get your tickets to the box office. Three dimes, the best part of the half. These girls have danced before the crowned heads of the continent, boys. Kings and emperors of game. I want to talk to you. Come down here. Hey, look, friend, all you got to do is buy a ticket. I can't do any more for you than that. Now, man, I tell you, these visions, these dancing dreams... You coming down or do I go up and talk you into it? <laughs> Pardon me, boys. I got a roof here who wants to show us a muscle. Now, as I was saying, these gorgeous... Down, friend, away from the matting crowd. Hey, let go of me. Down. All right, all right, you talk me into it. Don't go away, boys. Just feast your eyes. Man here's got a personal problem. Over here. Yeah. What eats your friend the 30 cents can't buy? You want a girl working for you, Bubbles. Bubbles Gail Deval. An artist. Where is she? Uh, you a plain clothes man, friend? Because if you are, I never knew an artist named a Bubbles, so cut me to pieces, friend. I'm a chum. I brought her something from Havana. I didn't see her on the platform. Oh, why so... didn't you say so, friend, instead of puffing up your muscles? Bubbles retired from me. Living the domestic life in a little flat. Where? On Canal, 19 West Canal. Brought us something, huh? Let me look. Ah, it's between me and Bubbles. You understand, friend. Oh, Sailor. Sailor, now where is she? Oh, hey, Sailor! Get away from those sailors! Go away. Bubbles doesn't like us, Slate. I'm going to feel silly saying this. Open the door, Bubbles. You did that quite well. <laughs> All right, so you're selling what? Nothing, just want you to say hello to Sailor Deval. Oh, finally. You know, Slate, she does have my features. I'm glad they're on you. Mind if we come in, but... See, look, what kind of a name is Bubbles? Come on in. My name's Jean Hudson. You might as well know. The police are going to know. Uh, I've been waiting. You two had to get to me sooner or later. It's not that I'm difficult to get along with, Miss Hudson, but uh, why did you have to adopt my name? You and Slate Shannon, your names get bandied about in Cuba. So you took a little while to establish your name as Gail Deval, the people who mattered. Said you were my agent. My hotel was for sale. I'm just telling you all this because... because I don't care anymore. You're going to scream cops after you hear me out, aren't you? The thing's got murder in it. The police have got to make a living, too. Well, it goes like this. Mr. Cloakey was the agent for a hotel buyer. Came to Havana with the money and Russ stabbed him. But the landlady said she saw me with Cloakey. We told her what to say to the police. She's money-hungry like me. Like everybody. What makes you so bitter, Jean? The man kissed my cheek and pinched the poke and walked out. Russ Calver took a powder. With the 25000 26000 He absconded with my trousseau money, too. Let's you and me go in the corner and have a nice long chat about men. Can you imagine somebody stealing his fiancée's trousseau money? That's how Jean got it. It doesn't make any difference. A girl's got to get it where she can. Where'd Russ go? Oh, he's taking a boat out of Guantanamo tonight. Sails in about an hour. Two stops from here, sailor. The police, then we go see a man about taking a boat. <laughs> Oh, 
Ford agent says there's only one boat leaving at nine tonight. There it is, sailor. The Scarlet Crescent, bound for Singapore. A man can have himself a time in Singapore with $25,000. A girl, too. Hey, wait a minute. Don't worry. I was just dreaming. That old car that just pulled up. The guy who just got out of it. Russ Calvert. Let's go get him, sailor. Hey, wait for me. I got you running for the altar. He's seen us, Slade. He's running. There he goes, up that alley. Oh, that Russ is quite a track man. Come on. In the alley. My daddy told me there'd be nights like this. Huh. Now what? Now what what? Here's a cross alley. Which way'd he go? To the right or left? Or straight ahead? Russ seemed to me the type of man who would go straight ahead. Yeah, we'll take the left. He couldn't have come this way unless he oozed right through this wall. This is a blind alley. Yeah, he's not in those doorways either. I told you we should have gone straight ahead. Let's go back. Let's go to the boat and wait for him. No, he won't take the boat now. He's going to get out of Cuba another way. I guess that settles that, huh? Uh, I'll find him. Slate, look. That car coming toward us with his lights on. Russ's car. He circled back and got it. He's going to try to run us down. Quick, sailor, back into the blind alley. Kill us in there. It's our only chance. Faster, sailor. There's no wall. There's no place to go. Here. This doorway. Jump. You all right, sailor? You all right? You did it again. You saved my life. Not me. You did. You take up jumping into doorways at Vassar, sailor? Depending on the guy I was dating. What about Russ? Well, let's find out. Uh, Let's take a Derek to get him loose. The engine's in his lap. He's dead, isn't he? Don't say it like it's a tragedy. He tried to kill us. Slate, take me home. I want to show you something. What? When I was leaving the carnival supply house, Ricardo pressed something into my hand. He didn't give me a thing. All the while, I had my eye on that squirting flower. Gee, you're lucky, sailor. Look what he gave me. A trick nose with a mustache. (laughs) Put it on. I figured you'd ask me that. All right. How do I look? (laughs) Come here. I'm funny, huh? That's right. Right here. Hmm, I like that. I knew you would. Tell me why. The mustache tickles. And so our two stars, Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall, have brought to a close our latest Bold Venture story. Special music was composed and conducted by David Rose. May we invite you to listen again next week at this time for another exciting adventure starring Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall together in Bold Venture.
Stay tuned for Abbott and Costello next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for the comedy team of Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. Here's the episode entitled Knights in Shining Armor. The cigarette that's first in the service presents from the Sixth Ferrying Group Air Transport Command at Long Beach, California, the Abbott and Costello Program. Tonight's guest, Miss Merle Oberon, and starring Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. Come on, what's the matter with you, Costello? Hey, Abbott, I want to ask you a very personal question. What is it? Do you think I'm fat? Well, I'd say you were on the plump side. Why do you ask? Well, I was over by one of those big hangars. I was standing next to a blimp. All of a sudden, an officer points to me and says, Look, they're making them with faces now. (laughs) Oh, he was just kidding. You know, there's nobody that has a better sense of humor than a flying man. I know that too, Abbott, because I'm a flying man myself. What do you mean? I started flying when I was a six-month-old baby. You flew when you were a baby? Yep. I flew out of my nurse's arms and made a perfect one-point landing. No, no. You mean three-point? No, one-point. My safety pin was open. (laughs) Costello, I don't believe you've ever been up in the air. Oh, yes, I have. I used to be a hostess. Well, you walked into that one, my friend. (laughs) For your information, plain hostesses are always female. This was a male plane. Tell me, Costello, when was the last time you were up in the plane? Do you want the truth or my version? Oh, no, 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 I want the truth. I think we'd get more laughs the other way. No, 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 no. Tell the truth. Okay, I'll tell the truth. All right. I took my first plane ride today. Captain Dick Lasseter took me up in a great big plane. Try motor? Try what? I said try motor? Certainly we tried the motor. (laughs) What do you think we did? Push it? No, skip it. I'm not going to get it up in the air and then try it. All right, forget about it. Forget about the motor? No, 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 no. The other thing. By the way, what kind of a pilot is he? Was he flying blind? (laughs) No, he was perfectly sober. (laughs) What a dope. Of course he was sober. Well, never mind that. You know, Lou, I wonder what these boys down here at Long Beach do when they go on leave. Well, I saw a bunch of the boys down at the beach with their girlfriends. Did they go down there to spoon? Well, they didn't go down there to wash their socks. Here's Ken Niles. I've been waiting to see you, Ken. I was wondering what your wife thought of the picture we made last week. That's right, Niles. What does she think of my acting? Well, I don't mind telling you that she absolutely raved. She raved, eh? Yeah. They took her away the next morning. (laughs) What's so funny about that? Did you make that up yourself? Yeah, out of my head. You certainly are. (laughs) No. I hate that guy. I know you do, but quit arguing, Costello. I want to hear more about the picture. Uh, Did you read any reviews, Ken? Ah, yes, sure. The Druggist Weekly gave the picture four aspirins. See what happens, don't you? He's got the band framed up. Certainly he's got the band framed. That wasn't a funny line. There was nothing nothing funny about that, brother. Can you imagine that? Listen, Ken, I read all the reviews. And even Mrs. Roosevelt mentioned our picture in her column. What did she say? She said... My day was ruined. Right. That's the one line I don't know why they got it look, in. Yeah, wait a minute, look. <laughs> Lou, didn't we get any compliments at all? Oh, sure. We got one cheer that I remember. Uh, where from? The Bronx. The Bronx? 
you know, in Hitler's face without music. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe we should give up the idea of producing our own pictures. Don't you be silly. Perfume Pictures Incorporated is here to stay. And I'm ready to start another picture right now. Push the button for my secretary. Okay. Hey, hey. What's the idea of a horn for a buzzer? She used to be a waitress and a driver. Oh. Hello, boss. I'm sorry I was late this morning. Are you doing anything tonight? Why, uh, no. Not a thing. Then try and get here on time tomorrow morning. The fine secretary. How did you get a job here? I used to be in pictures. I played in the way of all flesh. What part did you play? One of the meatballs. Everybody gets laughs but me. All right. Have patience, have patience. By the way, do I have any appointments today? Uh, yes, sir. At 12 o'clock, you have an appointment with Hedy Lamar. What am I doing after that? Me, he asked. <laughs> Mr. Costello, could I speak to you for a moment? Why, it's Botsford Twink, our salmon. What's on your mind, Bots? Well, I want you to know that I was terribly hurt because I wasn't in your picture last week with Carmen Miranda. After all, if you're looking for new faces, look at me. My face is new, isn't it? Oh, very new. In fact, your whole head has only been slightly used. <laughs> Please give me a chance, Mr. Costello. I really do have a lot of talent. You know, I do most of the voices in all the Leon Schlesinger cartoons for Warner Brothers. You don't tell me. Yeah, for instance, here's a little porky pig. This is the way I talk when I play porky porky that's all, folks. I'll play Porky for you for $1,000. What are you talking about? Warner Brothers don't pay you that? I know, but Pork has gone up. <laughs> what else do you do, Botsford? Oh, did you ever hear Bugs Bunny? I have a carrot here, so I'll give you a little sample. Uh, what's up, Doc? <laughs> uh, uh, what do you say, Chubby? What's cooking, huh? Of course, if you use Bugs Bunny, you'll have to use my wife, Mrs. Bunny. But we can't use two rabbits in our picture. Well, we couldn't separate them. That would be splitting hairs. <laughs> well, if you can't use the rabbit, maybe I could furnish some of the musical background. I can imitate an electric organ. Listen. <laughs> clever, ain't he? Do you call it an organ? Now listen, Botsford. I can't use any of that stuff in my picture. Now, will you get out of here? Now, look what you did. No. Now, look what you did. Now, look what you did. Every time you yell at me, yell at, yell at me, I guess the When you yell at me, he gets that. Why do you yell? How could I know? Did I know that when I talk loud, he gets the heat? Did I know that? Well, don't yell at him. Do something for the poor fellow. Please, Botsford. Talk to yes, him. Bots, but I'm talking low and easy. Now, take it easy. No more hiccups. That brings him out of it. That brings him out of it. Does it? I didn't know that. All right. Take it easy. How do you feel? Uh, better now. Oh, you do? I feel fine. Oh, am I glad of that, Abbott? Now, let's get back to this picture. But, Mr. Costello, are you sure you can't use the organ? Botsford, how many times do I have to tell you that I don't... Please. Please, please let him get in here. I don't know what I'm doing. and the Camel Five with a new treatment for an old tune by the light of the silvery moon. Well, 
can't hold up production on your new picture any longer. Now, we've got to get a leading lady. How about giving that secretary of yours a chance? She has blue eyes and blonde hair. And a Supreme Court figure. What do you mean, a Supreme Court figure? A Supreme Court figure? Uh, what do no you No appeals. Oh! <laughs> Besides, I phoned Merle O'Bron about playing a leading part. You did? Yes. I picked up the receiver and I said, Merle, darling. Merle, sweetheart. Merle, my love. And then? Then I dialed her number. <laughs> Merle O'Bron. Merle Obron will be slow in our picture. You know, and I, I sent for a new fashion designer. What is this that just popped in here? What, what happened? Well, now, wait a minute. I sent for a new uh, fashion designer. I, is that it? Is now it? he's in. Come in. <laughs> Good evening, gentlemen. I'm your new fashion designer. Uh, Pierre U.P.A. <laughs> to my friends, I'm P.U. <laughs> you said it, brother. Hey, get a little of that guy's hair. He's a male Veronica Lake. Pierre, <laughs> this is Lou Costello. Oh, how do you do, Mr. Costello? Thank you, sir. Uh, you are just the man I'm looking at. I've not seen you in a long distance. <laughs> Get the way his hair hangs over his face. Pardon me, Pierre. Was your mother ever scared by a sheepdog? Oh, come on. <laughs> Leave the man alone. We've got to get him to design Miss O'Brien's clothes. Now, no more remarks about his hair. Looks like a palm tree in a high wind, doesn't it? Well, Mr. Costello, I admit that my hair is a standing joke. Well, it needs a new switch. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong there. Keep quiet. <laughs> we must have Miss O'Brien's uh, wardrobe designed before she gets here. Pierre, would you mind telling us some of your ideas on women's clothes? Oh, not at all. Uh, you know, the main thing is color harmony. Color harmony? Mm -hmm. What's that? Well, it's very simple, Mr. Costello. For instance, if uh, you were carrying a pink bag, you would not wear a green dress, would you? Oh, gracious, no! I wouldn't dare! <laughs> well, I'd be the laughing stock of my sewing circle. All right, come on, never mind. <laughs> what kind of line is that never to get me a big man? Forget it. Skip those things. Come here, Pierre. Now, uh, with a shortage of materials, how about something plain for Miss Obron to wear? Uh, we'll call it a uh, defense dress. How about that? How about making it out of barbed wire? That isn't defense. It ain't exactly an invitation. <laughs> Go ahead, Pierre. Suggest a dress for Merle O'Brien. Uh, you know, something that she can wear in our picture. Well, uh, being a brunette, I would suggest that I make Miss Oberon a gown of apple green with a peach skirt, a lemon trimmings, a plum ruffles, an orange belt, and a tangerine scarf. Huh? That ain't a dress. That's a fruit salad. <laughs> Nevertheless, that sounds fine. Now, what about Merle's hat? Well, the hat should be a very simple but very smart. Uh, do you think the boys in camp here would like Miss Oberon in a hat that has 
Three roses and a ribbon on the side? Huh? No, they'd rather have four roses with a chaser on the side. <laughs> now, get out of here, and I'll design the clothes myself. Oh, Costello, you can't design clothes. Is that so? I just invented a lady's leg paint that takes the place of stockings. It even covers the knees. It disguises the knees? You said it. You can hardly recognize the old joints. Oh, well. <laughs> Well, we let Merle O'Bron design her own clothes for the picture. What do you say? Yes, and I'm just the girl who can do it. Now listen, kid, you keep out of this. Look who it is. It's Merle O'Bron. Merle, I'm overjoyed. I'm overcome. Uh, I'm overwhelmed. Uh, uh, I'm over here. (laughs) Merle, I've always been in love with you. You're so beautiful. Can I give you a kiss? Well, all right, but just one. <laughs> Lou, where did you learn to kiss like that? I used to be a bugler in a Boy Scout. <laughs> now, look, if you folks don't mind, we'll go over the script of the picture that you are going to play tonight. It's a story of the knights of old. Merle, you play a beautiful princess. And you wear a hoop skirt. A hoop skirt? Yeah, hoop skirt. That's a parachute with legs. <laughs> Costello plays the part of a knight. He's in love with you. I thought knights were tall. Well, kid, on account of daylight saving time, the nights are getting shorter. <laughs> As the first scene opens, Merle, you're in the palace, awaiting the arrival of your lover. You are playing the organ. Organ? Like this? Bosford, <laughs> <laughs> oh, didn't I tell you that you couldn't be in this picture? <laughs> don't hey, do I, that. I, I started it again. I started it again. Started well, well, don't shout at him. All right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right, I'm sorry. I'm talking nice and easy. Relax. Take it easy. All right, Bosford. Shout at him in a moment. I'm talking nice. How easy can I talk? I'm okay. I'm sorry, Bosford. I'm okay now, Mr. Costello. Oh, I'm glad you are. Now, keep out of the picture! You did it again! Don't yell at me! I'm sorry. Will you please put a gag in his mouth? Put a gag in his mouth! If I had a gag, I'd tell it myself! (laughs) Come on, let's get back to this story. Costello, as a knight, your costume is a suit of armor. That's right, Lou. You wear an iron coat, an iron vest, and iron trousers. In fact, you wear a whole iron suit. Where do I get a press? At Lockheed? <laughs> now your suit may become rusty, so you better keep yourself well oiled. I'd have to be oiled to make love to you in an iron suit. <laughs> Merle, you walk out on the balcony. Yes, and I sneak right up to it. But how'd you get across the moat? I caught the guard with his bridges down. <laughs> then we have the big scene where Costello serenades you with a song of love. And Lou, I will drop a flower on you. In a mad moment of love? No, in a pot. (laughs) Now, Merle, you signal that the coast is clear. And, Costello, you climb the balcony. You reach Merle's side. You're panting from the long climb in that suit of armor. Yes, that's it. You gaze into her eyes. Remember... This is your big chance. Never mind, no more pants. Never mind that. There's emotion in your voice. As you stand there in your iron suit, what do you say to her? Hey, kid, have you got a can opener? Haynes with the Camel Five with a new Roomba from the pen of Cole Porter. Hasta luego. In a small cantina, 
on an island for Senorita Lina Sang a song to a hot guitar All the ding-dong dandies Used to gather about When the lovely Lina Lady Vina Would give in and give out Hasta luego Too bad we must part Hasta luego And that mucha good luck, sweetheart Once they'd married Lena The best people go to die. to die But when she'd collected All his copper preferred Back to her cantina Lovely Lena Went flying as she purred Hasta Duego Too bad We must fall Gentlemen, Perfume Pictures Incorporated presents the great costume drama entitled The Brave Knight Cut Off the Dragon's Tail or The Dragon Isn't Wagon Anymore. <laughs> the beautiful Princess Guinevere is played by Merle Oberon. Lou Costello is the brave knight Sir Porterhouse, and Bud Abbott is his good friend Sir Loin. I play the part of the king. <laughs> As the scene opens, the princess and I await the arrival of two brave knights in our kingdom. Curtain? Greetings, brave knights. Kindly approach the throne. Greetings, your majesty. I am Sirloin, knight of the bath from Saxony. And I am Sir Porterhouse, knight of the bath from Constantinople. What a... What kind of words did I give you? Constantinople? Yeah, Turkish bed. <laughs> Greetings, brave knights. I am the Princess Guinevere. And who are those beautiful dames with you? They are my ladies in waiting. Well, what are we waiting for? <laughs> Quiet, Castello. Oh, Sir Porterhouse, you must save our kingdom. The people are angry. They're clamoring outside the gates of the palace. Just listen to them clamor. Clamor, clamor, clamor. Did you hear that? The people are revolting. They certainly are. No, no. The... <laughs> no, no, the people are starving. They have not eaten in five days. Oh, they should try and force themselves. They've got to eat. But, my dear princess, have we no food? Alas, no. The dragon has destroyed our crops. You mean all our corn is gone? Yes. There's only enough left for this program. <laughs> What's so funny about that? <laughs> what a fresh princess. Listen. Listen to the people shouting. They have been shouting for five days, but I dare not speak to them. 
I will speak to the people, Your Majesty. Open the door. I'll make a speech. People of Saxony! Got him. <laughs> now, my dear princess, just what do you desire us to do? My dear knight, for several years now, my father has been bothered by a terrible dragon. Why doesn't he pick up his feet? <laughs> you don't understand. <laughs> you don't understand. Nobody understood that. <laughs> Today, the dragon is coming to carry off the princess Guinevere. You must save me from this mean monster, Sir Porterhouse. He's a very mean beast. Okay, kid. He has two heads, one at each end. How does he sit down? <laughs> he can't. That's what makes him so mean. Well, don't be mean. Uh, don't worry, Princess. <laughs> All right, I'm allowed one mistake, eh? <laughs> I am not afraid of nothing. One time I climbed up a tree and I bagged a ferocious tiger. You went up a tree after a tiger? No! He came up after me! But you said you bagged him. I did bag him. I bagged him to go away, but he wouldn't. Hey, what happened? Well, I snapped at the tiger, the tiger snapped at me, and suddenly something whizzed past me. What was it? Pomona. Pomona? Talk sense, will you? Then my uncle came to my rescue, and I finally brought that tiger home stuffed. What was he stuffed with? My uncle. <laughs> Oh, Your Majesty, the dragon is almost upon us. He's coming to get the princess. Quick, princess, button up my iron suit. Wait a minute. Just a minute. I thought you were a princess. I work at swing shift on the side. <laughs> Costello, look at that thing belching smoke and fire. Is that the dragon? It ain't a smudge pot. Uh, I'm getting out of here. It's too late. He's got us trapped. Here. Here he comes. Now, do what he does. Do exactly what he does. Right. He's staring at you. Stare back at him. I can't. Fuck ah. I can't do it. Quiet. He's roaring at you. Roar back at him. <laughs> That'll scare him. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now he's wagging his tail. That lets me out. Look out. Look out. He's got a charge. He's got a charge? How much? No. <laughs> Quick. Grab him, grab him. Here's a fancy line. By the what? The gullet, gullet, the dragon's neck. Let him neck. What do I care about their love life? Give me my sword. Give me my sword, somebody. I'll cut his nose off. But how will he smell? That is something that should only interest another dragon. Look out, he's coming at you. Be careful, Costello. Your back is turned to him. He's coming up behind you. Where did he get you? Well, if I was wearing a license plate, he would have got off the last three numbers. <laughs> hey, he ruined my suit. My good iron suit he ruined. You nasty dragon. Get out of here. <laughs> oh, don't do that. Don't yell at me. Uh, what is with this? How can I do the dragon? How can I do the dragon? Watch me. Now, stop. Stop. Okay. What can I do to keep you quiet, Watson? Will you cut it out? I'm sorry. And it's your own fault for hollering at him. There's only one... Only one thing that'll cure my hiccups. If you let me kiss Miss Oberon. Oh, very well. I'll kiss you. If only you'll stop those awful hiccups. Go ahead, Botsford. Kiss her. Okay. Um, how do you feel now, Botsford? Oh, I feel fine. But, what?
Bud Abbott and Lou Costello with a final word. Thanks, Ken. Ladies and gentlemen, it's really been a thrill for Bud and me to do this program from the Ferry and Command Air Base here at Long Beach. And an added thrill to be here with Merle Oberon. Thank you, Lou. I had a wonderful time, and it's been lots of fun. That's right, Merle. And we'd like to extend our sincere thanks to Colonel Ralph Eastpake, Lieutenant Colonel John P. Frame, Jr., and their splendid staff of officers for the opportunity to make this visit. Next week, we'll be back in Hollywood on Thanksgiving Day. In addition to the regular gang, we'll have as our guest, Herbert Marshall. And we do hope you'll all join us. Until next Thursday, Bud and I wish you all a very pleasant good night. Tomorrow night, the Camel Caravan with Lanny Ross, Xavier Cougat, Herb Schreiner, Lou Lair, and their guest star, Bob Hope. Saturday night, thanks to the Yanks with Bob Hawke. Monday night, Blondie. And next Thursday at the same time, Abbott and Costello with their guest, Herbert Marshall. Our broadcast this evening was from the 6th Ferrying Group, Air Transport Command at Long Beach, and does not constitute an endorsement of our product by the War Department, as they do not endorse any product. The Army has also requested us to make this announcement to all men of 18 and 19. There is a serious need for young men, so serious that the Army is willing to let men of 18 and 19 choose whatever branch of service they desire. Go to your nearest Army recruiting office or induction station tomorrow. Learn about the jobs the Army has open in 13 different branches, all explained by men who know these jobs inside and out. Listen to the Camel Caravan tomorrow night with Lanny Ross, Xavier Cougat, Herb Schreiner, Lou Lair, and their guest star, Bob Hope. And now this is Ken Niles wishing you all good night. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Challenge of the Yukon, followed by Burns and Allen. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.